following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. During Lent, we are walking through, uh, as James said earlier about the Penitential Psalms, we're section hiking through um, the Gospel of John. This is a book that we've been doing bits and pieces of for a couple of years now. We'll do four or five or six weeks at a time and then move on to something else and then come back to it later. And during Lent this year, rather than using the, uh, the lectionary passages that most other liturgically-minded churches are using during this season, we decided to get back to John because it's been a long time since we were in John and uh, there wasn't a time coming up on the calendar that we saw where we would be more able to do it. So we're doing it now. And um, <clears throat> so we're, we're looking at the book of John and then I'm also asking the community to engage in what might be a new uh, spiritual practice for you, which is the practice of scribing. Scribing is a, a clipped form of the word transcribing, and this is, of course, what cloistered nuns and monks did for centuries before the printing press. The only way you got copies of the scriptures was to have somebody copy one that existed by hand. Now, we're not asking you to do the whole Bible. Um, all we are suggesting is that you scribe a little bit every day from the book of John and the passage that we're looking at in the upcoming week. Um, and so... How many of you have done at least one verse during Lent? Remember, one verse is considered success. Great. I'm glad to see that you have all done that. And a few weeks ago, or a couple weeks ago, we, uh, I gave you a chance to share what that was like. A couple of you shared. And uh, I want to give you another chance to do that now just for maybe one or two people uh, who have done this. What has the experience been like for you? Is there anything surprising or rewarding or really frustrating about the whole thing? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Helps you remember, uh, Tommy's saying, what the Lord has done for you, and it also sort of impresses that verse or passage into your mind in a deeper way, doesn't it? Has anybody else had that kind of experience where it's like, woof, that's staying with me now? Yep. Yeah, Tony. You found a typo in scripture. Wow. I don't, I don't know if you want to go grammar on God, Tony. That's not <laughs> wow. So, but that's the kind of thing you wouldn't notice maybe if you weren't writing it down. Now, I, uh, I'm teasing you, but I, I've been scribing with the NIV. We usually use the NRSV when, when we engage in the scriptures um, on Sunday mornings. But I've been scribing the NIV. Um, because I have an NIV Bible that's special to me. The, my denomination gave it to me when I was ordained, and so I use that one. But I'm really furious with the editors of the NIV because they don't, there are tons and tons of places that need commas, and they're not there. And it's, <laughs> it's very irritating. I write the comma, and then I'm like, I'm scribing. I need to... <laughs> so I'm smarter than the NIV guys. Uh, not when it comes to Greek and Hebrew, but perhaps when it comes to English grammar. I don't really know. <laughs> so... Cool, thank you. I hope that all of you will continue to try this. Remember, you don't have to do the whole thing for it to count. Um, You don't have to do the whole passage in any given week. You don't have to do it every single week during Lent for it to count. One verse is success. And if you can do more than that, it's great. But I really, really encourage you to try this if you haven't because it it is something that is very profound. I think you'll find it to be so. Um, So the last two weeks 
uh, of John, where we've been in this, the, sort of the middle part of John chapter 8, I have personally had a very strange experience with them as I've prepared sermons. Two weeks ago, you may remember I told you, I had nothing that, that was just completely dry for me all week long until the very end, um, and, and uh, then I had this realization that I thought was interesting to me, and I tried to share that with you, and perhaps it was interesting for you as well. Last week's passage, I had the complete opposite experience. I didn't tell you this last week, but I, I was just seeing roads I wanted to go down in that passage from last week. Every time I opened the book, I saw something new. And I swear to you, I could have stayed on uh, last week's passage for four, five weeks, (laughs) preaching different sermons on them. And you may have noticed that I probably preached one and a half sermons last week um, and uh, didn't finish one of them. And so it's just been really strange for me. And uh, I I share that with you um, because I think it might be helpful for some of you to know that that's that's the reality with engaging with Scripture. Um, There is no kind of peak you can attain where it always makes sense to you. There is no level of uh, education or experience with it that is enough to help you always be able to understand it. None of that is true. And um, I want that to be an encouragement to you, though, because I think sometimes... uh, in life, when we can't get, when, when we see, when we assume that there's a mountaintop that we can't get to, we won't even take the first step up the up the mountain, right? Is that true for anybody? It's definitely true for me. If I feel like the end is not attainable, I'm not even going to get to the beginning because I personally do not like the feeling of trying something and not succeeding at it. Um, but our our being shaped by the words of Scripture is a lifelong climb that has no uh, attainable peak. It just keeps going, and you go further up and further in, to borrow a phrase from C.S. Lewis, and uh, that's the reality. And so we keep climbing. Now, so what I wanted to do today, because I've had this weird um, up and down thing the past two weeks, what I want to do today is actually engage in a community study of this next bit of John chapter 8. And uh, I'll tell you how that will look in just a minute. But the premise here is that all of us have the capacity to uh, begin, at least, to understand and interpret Scripture, okay? Man, woman, young, old, gay, straight, black, white, educated, not, rich, poor, all of us have the capacity to hear from the Holy Spirit when we look at the words of Scripture, right? Um, It's not something that's given just to those who have uh, advanced degrees, It's not something that is given just to those who have lots of experience in the faith, okay? Each one of you in this room has something to offer, and uh, it can be challenging in a room full of uh, 130 or 40 people to hear from uh, all of the community's voices, and certainly we won't be able to hear from everybody's voice today. But I want to um, make it clear that I, I believe that Scripture can be and should be interpreted in community. So what I'm going to do in a minute is read the passage aloud and then give you five minutes to look at it on your own. And I'd like you to look at it on your own in four groups. Now, it's not going to be uh, geographical groups by your section in the room. It's going to be um, grouped as follows. Group number one uh, is people who are good at math. Okay? How many of you are good at math? You don't have to raise your hands. But if you are good at math, um, your task 
in this passage is going to be to find instances of words that are repeated a number of times. And you're going to keep a little tally and write down how many times that maybe the top three or four or five words uh, are and how many times they appear in the passage. This is one of the things that is uh, helpful in um, seeing what the passage is trying to say, what God might want to say to us through the passage. What words get repeated over and over and over again? Pay attention. Group number two is people who are good at literature. How many literary people do we have in the room? You also don't have to raise your hands. Uh, but this would, this would be me, probably, if I was uh, sitting here. Your job is to identify key imagery, right? You're a literary person. You love imagery in, in literature. And also any emotions that are expressed in the text, right? So um, it's not, the scripture is not all left brain. There's some right brain that needs to happen here. And we want to hear from you. Now, uh, group number three, if you self-identify as a little bit of a Bible nerd, I think I said expert there, yeah, experts, let's be honest, you're Bible nerds, right? If you, if you have ever won a sword drill, um, if you have memorized more than two verses of scripture, uh, if you have been to seminary, as like about a dozen of you in this room have, which is really freaking me out sometimes, sometimes to be honest with you, um, or if you've just spent your life studying the Bible, this is you, um, unless one of the other ones speaks to you more strongly, uh, your job, Bible experts, is to make connections to other Bible passages, right? So you're the ones who have the vocabulary. This is a very important thing to do as well. Uh, what other passages and stories in the Bible might be um, kind of referred to by John or uh, suggested by what's happening in the narrative, okay? Now... A lot of you are not Bible experts, and some of you might consider yourselves to be Bible novices. We are so glad you are here. Um, I think there's no better place to be for a Bible novice than uh, in a church, (laughs) at least one that looks at the Bible from time to time, and we try to. Uh, Your job is just to to help us who have been uh, around for a long time to know what questions are there in the text. Because a lot of us who are Bible experts will read through and we'll be making the connections and we'll be seeing the repeated words, we'll be doing all the math and literature analysis, and we will miss the really obvious important questions that we would have had the first time we read it or the second time we read it or something like that. Okay? So does everybody have his or her group in mind? Are you a one, a two, or a three, or a four? No, you don't know. There's too many many choices. Um, Well... I can't help you. I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't help you. So I'm going to read this passage now, and if you would like to open your Bibles, and if you didn't bring one, you can find one. If you use these red Bibles that are laying around, it's page 871, if I'm not mistaken. This is a little bit of a long passage, and so uh, it would have been hard to preach one concise sermon about it. So I want to see where we go with all of this, right? Now, I'm starting with verse 38, and as you can see, the the editors of the NRSV, at least this one, start the section with the next verse, Um, but realize that those those section headers are not present in the original text in the first place, so it's it's fairly arbitrary. Uh, Well, not arbitrary, but it's not uh, necessarily inspired, I should say. Starts out by saying, I declare what I have seen in the Father's presence. As for you, you should do what you have heard from the Father. Uh, now, the NIV translates this differently and uh, says, You are doing what you've heard from your Father, which probably is a better translation given what comes later, but I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here. Suffice it to say that that's a difficult passage to translate, and the point is it gets us into this concept of, of 
father and Abraham, which is what follows, starting in verse 39. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing what Abraham did. But now you are trying to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are indeed doing what your father does. They said to him, we are not illegitimate children. We have one father, God himself. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and now I am here. I did not come on my own, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot accept my word. You are from your father, the devil, and you chose to do your father's desires. You choose to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks according to his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe in me. Which of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe in me? Uh, Believe me. Whoever is from God hears the words of God. The reason you do not hear them is that you are not from God. The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father, and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Very truly I tell you, whoever keeps my word will never see death. The Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, and so did the prophets. Yet you say, whoever keeps my word will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died? The prophets also died. Who do you claim to be? Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me. He of whom you say, He is our God, though you do not know him. But I know him. If I would say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him and I keep his word. Your ancestor Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. Then the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. So that's our passage. Uh, you have your groups. Maybe, Brian, you can put the list of groups back up there so that people can see and review. If they, if they want to change groups in the middle, that's fine. I'm going to give you um, five or six minutes to look through this passage and complete your assignment based on your group number, okay? And then we'll talk together for a little bit, and we'll, just, we'll see how far we can get. Sound okay? The groups, I'm sorry, the groups are not meeting. You are in a group by um, the type of person you are, but you're working on your own. Thank you. Good, good clarification. All right, you have your time. Go ahead. Let me take um, 90 more seconds. That's a minute and a half for uh, the literary people. Okay, you have as long as it takes me to get a cup of water, and then we'll be done. Okay, so, uh, group one, math people. What's a good color for math people? Black. Black. (laughs) Of course it is. Thank you. Um, All right, so the way we'll do this is 
Uh, somebody shout out the most common word in the passage. Oh, <laughs> now I know why you couldn't decide. <laughs> uh, let's leave out words like you for now, although the small words are very important. You're right. Let's not leave out you. Um, can, how many times did you appear? 21. Anybody beat 21 with a different word? Okay. That's a good, you know, that's a good point. I, I should never have said let's not... You're interdisciplinary. That's one of the things we love about you. 21, you said? Okay. So 21 times the word you appears. Um, well, how many times did I appear? Did anybody count I? Uh, okay. <laughs> what uh, I heard now, I heard father and Abraham. Um, who has the count for father? Anybody have more than 12 for Father. Or less than 12? Okay, we may have a translation going on here. I don't know. How about Abraham? How many Abrahams? Nine. Nine. Okay, so we'll put Father next. Yeah, we need a flannel graph. Um, I think I heard 12 for Abraham, but I also heard 10. So I'm going to put it as 11. <laughs> I'm group two. Um, and then we had uh, Abraham, right? That was the next one? Nine. Okay, nine times. Anything else that came close to those three words? Death or die, okay. Some form of death. Okay. How many times, Franklin, for death and dying? All right, so, that's all right. Liar or lie was said how many times? Four. Four. Okay. Huh? That's how you make a four, isn't it? Look at that. Nine gods. Really, we should only have one, but uh, <laughs> especially if you're talking about the Abrahamic one. Uh, okay. Uh, God. Nine times. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Did anybody count here or heard? Nineteen eyes. Wow. Um. So we have here or heard. Okay, demon had three. Let's, let's uh, cut off uh, before we get to demon. I suspect that might come up in one of the other groups, um, and it wasn't super common in this passage. Oh, okay. Interesting. I, um, if I was doing this passage just kind of from memory, I would not have come up with glory. But, uh, yes. Wow, okay, so um, plus 21 pronouns. Sorry, group one, this is a word that means... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> right. So 
we could, uh, we could begin to draw some conclusions, couldn't we, about what's important in this passage from, from looking at these words. This is the kind of thing that I would suggest you do when you study Scripture on your own. Is, um, and you can do this visually, too. If you're, if, uh, if, you're on the, if you're interdisciplinary, you can get different highlighter colors, right? Or, or circle it with different shapes, which is a, a not a sensible sentence. Um, but make different shapes around it. Um, so that's... Uh, that's one thing we can do, one thing we can think about uh, as we look at the passage. Repeated words. All right, group two, let's have some fun here. What, uh, what imagery and emotions did we see, and what color would you like group two to be? Purple. All right. Not like those boring group one people, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. Ah, yeah, so that's a kind of a rhetorical device, isn't it? I tell you this, but this is true. Okay, um, I'm going to put that down this line here, because I don't know which... Right? Or you say this, yes, sorry. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. So um, probably we should have put the word but on the first page too. That's one of those little words, but it has a lot of meaning, right? And we've already talked about this, this, this fact, haven't we, in, in this passage. Um, you know, there's much I could say about you and much I could condemn, but, that's what Jesus said a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Um, okay, imagery and emotions. Yeah, Dean. Indignation. Yes, I agree. What else? Okay. Yes, thank you. I apologize for my really bad handwriting at this angle. I'm too tall for easels. Keith. So there's a interesting. How many of you people out there saw a courtroom in here? It's not explicit, is it? Okay, we had some other people though. There's this this trial going on. Thank you. That's really good. And when we get to three, um, remind me, and I'll put it on that one. Okay. Yeah. Yes, interesting. Interesting image. Mark. Yes, defensiveness. Mm. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's a narrative arc there. <laughs> He says, you're trying to kill me, and then by the end of it, they are really trying to kill him. Yeah. 
Uh, what do we call that, literary people? Foreshadowing, yes, right. Uh, a couple more. Just let's shout them out because I want to get them on this, the... Mm-hmm. Keep shouting them out. Sorry? Oh. Yeah. Right. That's not, right, not literally, but yes. Born out of wedlock. Interesting. Ah, wow. The people were offended, um, but specifically that Jesus seemed to be changing their religion and how they should think about it. That's a huge, huge emotion in this passage. Yes. Um, we could go on. But the, the point of group one and group two is to, to help us who are, too, you know, generally, with a few exceptions, we, we want to fall into one of those groups or the other. And we think about scripture very scientifically and mathematically, or we think about it very, uh, like, literarily. But um, it's important to do both of these things, right? Okay, so we could talk more about imagery and emotions, but we're going to run out of time if we go too much longer. Third one. All right. Which color do we use for connections to other Parts of scripture, blue. I heard blue too soon. Sorry, green people. <laughs> okay, so we had, um, Keith mentioned the Job passage. Um, and I'll put the courtroom, courtroom, courtroom in quotation marks because it's, it's uh, not physically present in either one, but there's definitely a sense of it. Lawrence? Okay, can you, can you say out loud the verses that you think are re- referencing, not the numbers, but the words that you think are referencing Exodus 3? Yeah, so where Jesus says, Very true, I tell you, before Abraham was, I am. Yes. Yes, yes. So when God tells Moses his name, it's a, it's a variation on the verb to be. Uh, I am. And uh, Jesus, this is, this is why they tried to stone him. Um, he's, when he says that Abraham rejoiced at his coming, and they said, you're not even old enough to vote. How, how could you know Abraham? Uh, that's a paraphrase. Um, <laughs> he says, truly, I tell you, before Abraham was, I am. He's appropriating for himself the name of God, and that will get you stoned. <laughs> right. That's a great connection. Yes. Uh-huh. Mm. Ah. Yes. Ah, wow. Hang on, Tony. Because um, I don't want people to miss, miss that great observation. So there's this talk about uh, if you believe me, you'll... you'll you will live forever, you'll never die, something to that effect. Tony's calling, out, calling back Genesis chapter 3 where they say if you, you know, the serpent is tempting Adam and Eve and says, uh, you know, you're not really going to die. <laughs> but God has said they will. But at the end of the story, they're not dead physically, but there's been a spiritual death. That's a really, really keen observation. Now you said Ephesians... Yes. Um, 
but because of love, of his love. Cool. Maybe one or two more connections here. Uh, Dean and then Tommy. Yeah, so um, I, I missed a little bit of what you said in the, middle, in the middle there, but the reference in Mark, what was the chapter? Mark 6, where it says a prophet does have, doesn't have honor in his hometown. Um, but then by the end of the, this passage in John, they were not able to hear from him, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yes, and there's tons and tons of very recent callbacks in this passage, right? We've already been talking about truth and belief and them trying to kill him and all that stuff in John, in very recent stuff. So we could call back all all kinds of things from John. But yes, Tommy, and then we'll have to move on. We're really pushing time here. Okay. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Cool, thank you. Um, this father of lies thing is particularly interesting. The, the word there, um, when he's talking about your father, the devil, is in Greek is diabolos, uh, which, of course, we get diablo and, uh, from. Um, but it, it basically means someone who is an accuser or a liar or a malicious gossip. Sometimes it's actually translated as, as a malicious gossip uh, when it's pretty clear that in that particular text it's not talking about um, Satan or a spiritual being. Um, so it's a really, really interesting, interesting word. Okay, we've got to move on. I don't know where the time went. We did just spring ahead. Oh. Bum, bum, ba dum. Wow. Okay, so what questions do we have here? Yes, Kevin. So you're wondering if there maybe is a connection between um, this prophetic work in Isaiah 35 about eyes being open and ears being able to hear and them not being able to 
to hear from Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, good, good question. So I, I'm not going to answer these questions, by the way. <laughs> I might try to help you get to a better question, but... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So here's a rule with this kind of approach to Scripture. If you ask a question and then you can answer it, you have to ask another question about that. Um, so it, it, if you can answer the question, it's good that you asked it because you wouldn't have answered it otherwise. But if you can answer it, you can't write it down as a question. So that one doesn't count. I wrote it down, but... <laughs> yes, Samantha. Um, good question. So uh, he's saying you should do what you heard from the father, but he's also saying your father is the devil. And why is he? Wh- why? <laughs> um, that's a great question. Actually, we're going to have to stop with that one because I, I don't know how it's 1130 right now, but it's 1130 right now. Um, and your kids' teachers are very angry at me right now. Um, but that's a great question. I think part of it might be due to the translation. Remember I said something about verse 38 where it's kind of weird what he's saying. You should do what you've heard from your father or you're doing what you heard from the father already. It's not clear what's, what that part of it is saying, but um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he wants them to ask that question. <laughs> that would be a speculation. I tried to answer that one and I said I wasn't going to answer questions. But, um, <laughs> but it was such a good one. I couldn't resist kind of trying to vamp on it a little bit. All right, so why do we do this this morning? Uh, it, it was not because I didn't want to prepare a full sermon. Um, <laughs> I promise. Um, I, I love this passage. I, I actually did want to prepare a full sermon. But I, want, uh, I, I consider it part of my job to help you learn how to uh, engage with Scripture in a more meaningful way. And I'm happy to do that with you one-on-one. And, uh, but the truth is not many of you take me up on that. And I don't get a lot of emails saying, hey, could you help me understand Scripture better? I get, occasionally get them, and I'd like to do that. But uh, I try to do it in this setting once in a while to give you tools that might make your understanding deeper. If you're visiting today for the first time, no, this isn't what we do every week. Um, next week will be different, um, but it'll be weird in a different way too, so that's just kind of who we are. Um, so <laughs> uh, I don't know what the baseline of weirdness is, but this isn't it. That's all I wanted to say. Um, so uh, I hope that it's okay, having kind of just spattered all that information under these big sheets of paper, to have no concluding thing except to say that let's continue to be shaped by the words of Scripture together throughout this Lenten season. Okay? Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for these beautiful and challenging and confusing uh, words in this gospel story. We pray that this exercise would have 
helped to inspire us to, to know you deeper and to learn more about uh, your son Jesus. But also we hope and pray that this exercise would help us to return to Scripture again with fresh eyes this coming week and throughout Lent and really for, for our whole lives that we'd be climbing that mountain, um, understanding that the goal is not to get to a summit but to go further up and further in. We give you thanks for the words of Scripture. In Christ's name, amen. Uh, I'd like to invite you now to come and receive Holy Communion. Uh, This is an open table. You do not have to be a member of our church to participate. We celebrate communion by intinction, which means you tear off a piece of the bread and dip it in one of the cups and receive it all together at once. Uh, We have both wine and juice. Please choose the one that would be more appropriate for you and your family. Um, And do collect your kids uh, ASAP. (laughs) Uh, And um, we have a couple more songs that we'll sing together. And... uh, I just invite you to continue to respond to the Spirit, uh, wherever he may be saying to you. If you'd like personalized prayer, there will be a member of the prayer team here that will pray with you during this time as well. The table is open. I invite you to come. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.